0: Yeah. One of the other things that's kind of unique um, and like Panera Bread and Starbucks and some of these big chains are doing is they're they're changing their loyalty programs to a subscription base where you pay something per month and you get something. For example, like Panera, I think you pay eight or nine dollars a month and you get unlimited coffee or something. Um, So having different tiers and um, maybe pushing the envelope with uh, with loyalty Um, I recently went to the leadership conference in Arizona a few months ago and the chief marketing officer for for one of the very big chains in the Midwest was saying that their loyalty um, count went above 30% and they didn't like it because they realized it was discounting too much of their core customer and they wanted to bring it back down to 20%. I had never heard someone actually say that. Uh, It sounded logical, Bit you know, everyone says, I want everyone to be a loyalty member, but I don't think everyone wants everyone to have a discount. So (laughs) you have to kind of figure that out as well.
1: Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why... We curate the different, the better, and the special brands here each and every week. So you don't have to do the heavy lifting. If you're a founder and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This episode is
0: sponsored by Temple. Congratulations, you're selling in retail but the competition is fierce and your brand is surrounded by similar products. How will consumers find you? Let Temple show you an innovative retail sales solution. Click on the attract consumers link below. Need to attract great employees? Click on the hire now below and we'll show you how to use your culture to help you stand out. Stay tuned for this week's episode.
1: Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It is Tony, and I got to tell you, I was having a podcast conversation yesterday with a brand owner in CPG, and he said to me off air, he goes, I don't think I would ever start a CPG again. It's really hard. And the money, the resources, the time, it's very, very challenging. And then I think of that funny meme of hold my beer... I've got something harder, and I believe that is, that's the restaurant business, and I have a CEO today whose background has positioned him to grow and expand his concept, but you need to understand where he's coming from, okay? So he started at California Pizza Kitchen. Now, you might have started before that, but we're going to say CP, uh, CPK. All the way back as a line cook, becomes general manager, moves to an organization we've all heard of, Z Pizza International, gets involved in training, director of training, moves into vice president of operations, and there was second in command responsible for growing the chain from eight regional locations to a hundred locations, both domestic and international. Becomes then the Chief Operations Officer, the COO for Steak and Shake. He is now the Chief Executive Officer of Squeeze-In, which is a breakfast and lunch concept uh, across three states. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. Welcome in Amir Sabatian. Amir, how are you today? Excellent. Thank you for having me. We got through the IT issues. We did. That's just another one of your hats that you wear is solving IT issues. Yes.
0: Well, restaurant business is Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. So you just anticipate <laughs> and three times a day. <laughs>
1: Something will go wrong. <laughs> Something will go wrong. Uh, tell us about the concept.
0: Well, the concept is a Squeeze In, and it started in a small town in Truckee, California. It's a ski town in North Lake Tahoe area. Very popular. It's been around since 1974. Um, the headquarters are in Reno, which is only about 30 minutes away from uh, Lake Tahoe. Uh, we have stores in Northern Nevada, uh, Northern California, Southern Nevada, Idaho, and we're hoping to expand to 100 stores, uh, predominantly in the West Coast. Uh, and what I, what I really love about this brand is when I first was introduced uh, to it, You know, from from my background in restaurant business, we usually try not to go to breakfast because it's the check average is usually small and it's a lot of work. So we kind of look at it from that perspective. Dinner is a lot less work and a much higher check average. But what I had noticed from Squeeze In was they have a lot of alcohol sales. Surprisingly, most breakfast Uh, concepts. I noticed that on
1: your socials.
0: Yeah. So we normally it's just Sunday brunch. But somehow this brand has made it okay to have a mimosa or a bloody mary on a Tuesday or Wednesday or a Thursday, <laughs> so, and no one feels guilty
1: about there, it. No guilt on a place, no right? No guilt.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, you're you're free to be Come what you on want in to be and fun. So, yeah, that's I thought uh, that was a very unique um, differentiator, and really thought that it's something that we could take advantage of and, and grow. And uh, it's been a great first year and a half or so for me on the brand.
1: So, you know, you've really just answered my first question because you have been quoted as saying the money is in the morning. And I was trying to think through that, like, how could that be? Because, right, you're not ordering steaks and fancy, you know, fish dinners and things like that. So it is kind of tied up in, in your alcohol sales.
0: It, it, it is. And, you know, breakfast, uh, for the most part, it's commodities. It's eggs and bacon and things like that. So you're, you're not getting... Um, it's not seafood. It's not steaks, as, as you said.
1: You've got a pretty big vision to get to 100 stores. So I guess really the, the question is, you've got these key learnings from being in operations now for X number of years. We won't mention how many years because that is a cardinal rule. Thank you. We never date ourselves. OK, <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> We're not dating ourselves here. <laughs> this is not the oh, my God, you've been in it that long podcast. Um, So walk us through some of your key learnings to this point in running this uh, breakfast concept. Well, I think
0: what I really brought to the table was um, industry best practices and how do we introduce best practices to the brand? And, you know, for the most part, the industry's um, efficiency Part it really doesn't matter if you're selling burgers or pizza or omelets. Uh, it kind of really transcends all all brands. One of the main things that we looked at was um, menu efficiency and engineering. Uh, a lot of brands, including this one, when I first came on, had a very big, extensive menu. Bigger is not necessarily better. We had over seventy menu items for breakfast concept, so we trimmed that to about forty something. Um, this immediately helped alleviate a lot of pressure in the kitchen. We were able to place orders faster. Food was coming out faster. We turned tables faster. So we had higher sales just because we had another rotation. That's just basic things that you just kind of introduce uh, into a new brand. So that was one of the main things we did. Um, later in the year, last year, we also had a, a, an efficiency study, just a time in motion. Where are we spending our time? Uh, with labor going up every year, the way it is, I think that really becomes a, a pressure point. And I think we need to identify what what is required and what have we just added on to ourselves because it's something that we like. Um, so again, it goes back to the efficiency part. Work content is really important. And if it's unnecessary work content, then we need to figure out a way to either reduce it or eliminate it so we can... Basically make food and take care of guests, not spend two, three, four, five hours a day doing some prep in the back that may not be necessary.
1: So this time in motion study, tell me more about that. Is that a a third party consultancy you bring in or is that something that you handle in-house and how do you yeah, validate a, those findings?
0: Yeah, it's a third party um, uh, company that comes in and basically does an evaluation from open to close for about a week and they monitor back of the house, front of the house. They look and see where everybody's spending their time. Um, It might be doing prep. It might be lull time. It might be with the guests. It might be cleaning up. Um, So it really identifies some things. And for us, both back of the house and front of the house, the majority of the percent of the time was not making omelets or spending them with the guests. It was actually just doing prep. So then we have to reevaluate our, our prep and what we're doing and can it be done um, in a more efficient manner.
1: There's been a lot with food tech innovations, and I was going to save this for later, but was is there a solution in there?
0: Uh, y- yes and no. I think um, obviously there's some technology that works for you. Some of the new wow things are still in beta stage. And for an emerging brand like us, we probably don't have the budget. Or the time to go and experiment. We let the big guys like a Chili's or Applebee's or some of these guys experiment and let them find out what works, what doesn't work. And then we'll benefit from them a year or two later. Um, And that's really why I think it's important also to go to these annual conferences and get an idea. When I hear a trend, I don't want to be at the tail end of it. I don't want to find out that uh, another chain that already has hundreds of stores is already exiting that because they discovered it didn't work the way it was meant to be. And I'm just entering it. So it's a combination of introducing best practices, knowing what's what's working for other brands, what's not. We're we're all in the same boat in some sense, um, although the concepts are different. So learning from each other is a huge advantage, especially if you don't have a budget to go and experiment and do beta things.
1: There are some industries where information is shared freely and they're not seen as competitors. How would you describe it within restaurant? I, I think it's it's very similar. similar? Um,
0: now, if I wasn't a direct competitor, you know, if a pizza guy is talking to a pizza guy or a burger guy is talking to a burger guy, maybe they'd want to be a little bit reserved. But I, I kind of look yeah, at best practices from a holistic but... viewpoint. Not, you know, it does, to me, it doesn't matter if I was selling hot dogs. It's still got to be efficient. Right. And how do I do it the best, most efficient way? So.
1: So obviously you realized cutting down the menu was going to be very helpful to the kitchen and increase the turn of tables. And that was a a brilliant move. What else did you really discover from that time in motion study that might be useful to others as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we discovered was specifically our brand. Um, is very busy on weekends. So on Saturday and Sunday alone, we do about 55% of our sales for the entire week. So it almost transforms into another sales volume level just on the weekends. Um, And turning tables faster uh, on those busy days where we have a captive audience was really important. Um, So we're trying to figure out how to expedite service, but the efficiency study pointed out that our average seats are about uh, 2.6 people per check. And we had very large tables. So the suggestion came that instead of having six tops or eight tops or 10 tops, why not have much more four tops? Um, and that really boosted our sales immediately. And we were able to get in more people um, on Saturday, Sundays. We're very busy. We have a 45 minute to an hour wait. So having people sit there when we can turn tables faster, Was just it was brilliant idea without us trying to do anything extra. Uh, So you know these things come out from the efficiency study, and yeah, there's other minor things that come out. For example, we we also do lunch. We have burgers. Um, We were uh, making burger patties from ground beef. Um, The question was posed: Are people coming to you for a burger? Why can't you buy a pre-made patty? Why are you doing the prep work for something that you're not really coming into? So, you know, really just from an outsider's viewpoint, it's a lot of questions. And then if you don't have answers to the questions then you got to rethink, were were these even good ideas and why are we doing it? So I think I I would recommend a third party efficiency study. Uh, The company that did, did ours did. Did the same study for Chili's some years ago and Papa John's, and but mostly they work for manufacturing and industrial, so they're not restaurant specific, and sometimes that's an advantage.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that that they coming out of manufacturing because that is all time in motion.
0: Yeah, I mean um, this company works strictly for uh, big, big places like Black and Decker or the Meat Factory. There's there's thousands of employees, so for them to find even a few percentage of efficiency that's a huge uh payroll savings in a year so for them the restaurant business was kind of a smaller scope but you know sometimes we're so used to seeing the same thing we get blinded because you see people say something different from a whole different perspective and you take a step back and go wow why why didn't i think of that why didn't i think of making smaller tables it seems so obvious
1: Well, and now when I think about it, yeah, I mean, I do go to some of these places and that's all they have, I think, are the four by four or the whatever the. uh, Yeah, the four tops. tops. And they're always, we're always slamming them together. And that just gives them the ultimate, you know, in terms of. The flexibility. flexibility. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. At the top of this, Amir, you said that I think you've got between nine and 12 stores now, roughly between California and Nevada and Idaho. And you're expanding, you have a big, big vision, 100 stores across the West Coast. So I wanted you to talk to us a little bit about how to do that and and how, what percentage are going to be like company owned versus franchising. And then I want us to kind of transition a little bit into your vision for franchising model, because I, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Z pizza have franchisees, franchisors?
0: Yeah. Z pizza was exclusively franchises. Okay, and I so was actually a franchisee. Yeah. I was a franchisee as well. I had six locations of my own while I was the vice president of operations there. So, um, I look at it from both perspectives. Uh, You know, for me, this is a business and the business means it has to make money. So um, I'm always conscious of how much can the franchisee make after they pay us royalties. So I think first and foremost was bring industry best practices to the brand that's already very popular and healthy and make it more efficient. And then from there show that, hey, these changes and updates helped us become more profitable. We want to teach you how to do that as well. Um, but I think that the more healthy financially the franchise is, um, the the faster we'll start growing and the more um, higher caliber investors that we'll start getting. And, and that's going to snowball in itself. Um, you know, having a nice brand that does decent sales volume, but breaks even, no one cares about that, or at least I don't. So... <laughs>
1: Well, I've, it's great that you're coming from the actual operator's hat, operator's shoes. You know, you're not just coming from the ivory towers at corporate, pushing down ideas that are irrelevant and not practical. And that's the advantage that you bring is that you know, you've come up through the, the restaurant world.
0: Yeah, and I and I think it's important. It has to be a win win for everybody. It's gotta be a win for us. You know, corporate side, it's got to be a win for the franchisees. It's got to be a win for the brand. And it's not something you do one time. It's got to continuously happen every year. Um, and, you know, especially this business is not something where you can say, hey, we did a great job last year. Now let's not do anything because it doesn't work that way. People's opinions change. Uh, market prices change. Labor change. Technology changes. So if you're not constantly trying to look and improve, then you will just die from doing nothing.
1: So what – I mean so how do you go about expanding from whatever 12 to 100? Is that a combination of store – company owned and or franchise or is this –
0: Yeah, so we we have five corporate owned and I think we'll probably stay at the five corporate owned. I think if we're going to focus on franchising, we have to show franchisees that our time and attention is going to go to them. Um, and not our own stores uh, in that sense. Um, and there's a transition into that. Right now, we make more money from our own stores than the franchisees because we're still an emerging brand, but we hope to transition uh, out of that and start focusing on on the franchise side. And that has to do with a lot of training. Uh, once we're established and we have best practices and best systems in place, it's really about what Um, platforms and training programs we have. We're partnered with a company called ExpandShare. So it's a lot of digital training courses. Um, Most emerging brands, it's just follow this person, follow that person to learn, but you need to have a combination of here's some written stuff, here's some videos, here's some quizzes, and in addition to follow somebody. That's the only way to really have consistency. So as we start building courses for all the positions in the stores, including managers, then everyone starts becoming Um, basically train on the same consistent level, regardless of what state they're in. And, you know, I think a good franchise really becomes a a good training machine as they grow.
1: Well, and you have to be able to show your workers a path because you yourself had a path at some of the larger restaurant chains you moved up. And if you don't have those paths lined out for people, then they're just jobs, they're not careers. And you're constantly turning your people faster than you're turning your tables. And that's not going to work either. Yeah, that,
0: that, that's a great point. You know, the, the restaurant industry for decades has been just the stomping ground for I want to be an actor. I want to be a model. I want to be X, Y, Z. But here's a quick way to make cash. But it's also very rewarding for people that want to um, grow in the business. I went to school to be an architect, I happened to stumble onto California Pizza Kitchen. They were growing; I grew with them, and it's uh, it's a it's a field I kind of fell in love with. Um, but it's it's not easy. Um, no. it, it It can be overwhelming because there's a lot of people involved in it. And I think sometimes franchisees get overwhelmed with dealing with guests, dealing with associates, dealing with turnover. They forget about the business part. Um, their whole day to day gets consumed on people. But I think being transparent and having low turnover, th- that takes a lot of work and effort. So, but if you have low turnover, then you kind of solve most of your problems. Yeah. yeah last year, you know, with, with all our wins with the menu optimization and, and the efficiency study, we decided to um, have our uh, associates' lunch breaks be paid. So, when they take a lunch break, That's not only do they idea. get free food from us, we actually pay them for it too. So, and you know, it's these kinds of things that you give back.
1: Subtle little things like that. It's not just the one big thing. It's all these little things that kind of add up.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, everybody says you want to be employer of choice and I've been hearing that for places I worked at for decades and I, sometimes I question like, what does that mean? Is that just like a soundbite for (laughs) going public? What is this? What are you doing? Yeah, exactly.
1: I worked for a place years ago. I remember when those, Award seasons came around. Literally, they would send emails out to all the employees, like, "Okay, <laughs> here it comes. We would love you to participate in this," and they'd give away, you know, like a half day of PTO. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, Show guys, us what you're doing. You're missing the point. You shouldn't have to bribe people. It's a joke. Yeah, it's I, a I joke. Think- I look at those things as, as as a joke. You know, it's it's what does the person on the line say. You know what is the average? No, you're from?
0: absolutely, you're absolutely right. It's really, you know, I think um, in this kind of an industry where you have a lot of staff in most places, um, a lot of different personalities, you're you're really essentially a coach. And I think being transparent with people and letting them know how they're performing, if they're not performing giving them a heads up and letting them know, hey, what you would want them to uh, improve upon. You know, we we started doing annual appraisals for everyone. Uh, they have to do a self appraisal. It's on a set date on their one year anniversary of the last time they got a raise. So everyone knows when it's coming. There's no surprises. Like I didn't get a raise last year or someone just got hired today and they're making more than I was and I've been here for five years. So we really just wanna be respectful of those kinds of things so they don't happen and having structure around it. And you know we've really reduced our, our turnover for you know the industry levels. To, since Q4 of last year, we've had minimal turnover. And I you know I still see signs out there for people trying to hire. But I think just being fair, and people forget fairness. They always say, "Oh, we care. We do this." But sometimes you can't
1: quantify what care is. I think fair is more important. There you go. Well, it, it's a it's the result of caring. It's caring is not the effect. Caring is the motive right. that shows up in that transparency that you're building into your model. I, I did touch on this earlier. I, and I'm going to use that, Tony. Caring is the motive. I like that. That's, <laughs> that, <laughs> you're right,
0: because that is the motivation is the for actually achieving something else. Yeah, you're right.
1: Exactly. It is the motive. And, uh, you know, we don't lead with motive because those are just words, right? It's, um, yeah, demonstration is more important than, you know, blathering on or writing a, you know, report. Yeah, exactly. Um, Actions. We, exactly. We, I touched on it and I, I'd love to finish on this. If, if you don't mind, uh, people love trends. They want to know kind of what's out there. This is kind of a softball. You can go any direction with it. I, you sure. know, are, are there any particular trends you're hearing about, whether it be in food tech or new concepts of course, AI is, is big these days. What, are, what trends are you seeing that you're most excited about right now?
0: Um, well, I think there's a lot of new things that are going to come uh, around now. Maybe it's going to be a slower coming to a full service concept because full service concepts, you still want that um, interaction between people. But for the fast casual and the fast food, I think AI is really going to do a lot with order taking whether that's through a drive through or if you're calling in an order, it might just be an AI that's taking your order. Um, it's going to eliminate errors, uh, human error, I guess. Uh, if your order is wrong, most likely you ordered it wrong. So you can only blame yourself, uh, almost like <laughs> the ordering online. Always <laughs>
1: right. No, there is. It's just you. Yeah, you may have hit the wrong
0: button, but now you can talk it through. Um, I think those are the things that are going to be uh, more efficient. Uh, You know, over the years, as I go to conferences, I see these robots that deliver food and things like that. And I think those can work again in fast casual, but it's not it's not time yet for those things for full service, because I still have to take food to a table I have to know who's getting what. I mean, that's still part of the service. We don't just bring up five plates and say, here, take the one that you ordered. They might not even know what they ordered looks like. So, you know, you kind of want to have that hospitality.
1: I have to admit, that that (laughs) always annoys me when it's literally just me and my wife were sitting down to eat somewhere (laughs) and the food comes out and there's two plates and they don't know who gets what. It's like who ordered the I'm like there, there's got to be a. There obviously is a simple way to solve that.
0: Well, it, it literally is on your point of sale system. Yeah, it's, I mean, you, you really have seat one and seat two, and you it's, put on seat one what that not person not, orders, it's not seat two what they order. So, no, it's not hard. I it's think it's that's just hard. laziness.
1: <laughs> it's just one of those little pet peeves. Like, really, or just you know, maybe remember it anyway.
0: Yeah. One of the other things that's kind of unique um, and like Panera Bread and Starbucks and some of these big chains are doing is they're they're changing their loyalty programs to a subscription base Ooh, where does that you pay mean? something per month and you get something. For example, like Panera, I think you pay eight or nine dollars a month and you get unlimited coffee or something. Um, so having different tiers and um, maybe pushing the envelope with uh, with loyalty. Um, I recently went to the leadership conference in Arizona a few months ago and the chief marketing officer for for one of the very big chains in the Midwest was saying that their loyalty um, count went above 30% and they didn't like it because they realized it was discounting too much of their core customer and they wanted to bring it back down to 20%. I had never heard someone actually say that. Uh, It sounded logical bit you know everyone says I want everyone to be a loyalty member but I don't think everyone wants everyone to have a discount so
1: <laughs> you have to kind of figure that out as well. I want to eat it too. I want to say that we've got this great loyalty program but I don't want everyone to use yeah. it. It's kind of like we're gonna offer yeah. coupons we're gonna offer coupons but we hope you forget to use it. Yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's it's you know it's it's tricky to
0: navigate. and I'm not sure who's right or wrong yet and I think everybody's still trying to figure it out but it's interesting to see you know how How it's trending.
1: You cannot live on a discounted product. You have to have people purchasing at full price. So there's no doubt about it. So you're saying this new subscription model is where you actually buy into the subscription model?
0: Yes. Yeah, you're basically paying monthly to be a loyalty member. And you get some free perk.
1: You must have to go a lot. I mean, because I... I know you just threw out the free coffee one, but I mean, I kind of expect free coffee. So I think you just threw that one out, obviously.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where it's really started from. You know, when, because back in the day, if you remember, everybody was all about apps. Oh, you have to have your own app and you have to do this. But then we realized people are very concerned about the real estate on their phone. They don't just download every app. They download something that they're using weekly or daily. So Starbucks, you might go to it multiple times a week, but you're not going to go to a steakhouse that you go to once every six months and download their app. So, you know, I think where you where you can play in those games and those fields is important. Um, so it's, it's not for everyone. So you sometimes you hear a lot of trends and it just doesn't translate for everyone. If I if I'm selling something that's maybe donuts or, you know, if you're going to get pizza once a week. OK, maybe you'll download my app and, you know, you'll get some perks that'll be worth it. But. Otherwise, I'm not sure. I, I don't have every no. restaurant I frequent on my phone. I don't want that real estate taken up. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too.
1: You know, I think that would be an interesting podcast is, you know, what are the different type of loyalty programs? And maybe a little deeper dive around loyalty, because I think I do think you've touched on something that. Companies and brands are trying to figure out, and I think it even translates over into CPG on the shelf.
0: Yeah. You know, we, we had a a summary last year with our um, loyalty partner and they were telling us how a loyalty member is qualified as someone that comes once a year. And I questioned that. And I was like, well, once a year, I'm like, how are you, that's a tourist that went to Lake Tahoe. That's not a loyal, that's like unloyal. (laughs) I was like, how is that a loyalty (laughs) customer? How do we, you know, identify that? To me, it's like, you got to come at least once a month. Otherwise, how are you a loyal? customer so we we all have different you know descriptions in our minds of what we think loyalty should be too so it's a game everybody says you have to be loyalty but what is it what is loyalty to each brand
1: yeah that that's yeah exactly how do you define yeah how does your brand define loyalty I mean if you're a breakfast place I would imagine you're thinking two three times a month yeah yeah
0: um, that, that's who I think should be a, a loyal customer. I want someone who comes once a month and I want to figure out how to make them come once a week or twice a month at, at the very least, not the person that's coming once a year.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you're right. They're just passing. Through. That doesn't seem like a, you know, a lot of energy to waste. But you know, it's a, it's an interesting, it's, it is an interesting conversation because me being on the East coast, I love in and out on the West coast. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm loyal, but I'm not local. So for me, right. I am that once a year. It's it's funny because I just went to visit my mother out in uh, Palm Springs, and they uh, they have an mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful new In and Out near them. I literally went there like four times in three days. Nice. Well, you know, I kind of OD. Well, on you it. actually brought up a good point. You you actually brought up a good point because
0: we get a lot of tourists here for skiing and going to the lake, uh, to Lake Tahoe. But you're right. Maybe the person is only here once a year and they're loyal because every time they're here, <laughs> they come here. So I guess in their minds, they are loyal. It
1: has to be based. You know what? That's how you do it. It's based on zip code. Yeah. If I come yeah. once a year, my zip code is more than 100 miles away. Then I'm probably a super fan. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. So I got, I yeah. made two good points today. Everyone have, listening. That's well, it. Tony got two. <laughs> Finally, it takes a while for me.
0: Well, you know, brainstorming and think tanks, they that's where innovation comes <laughs> I'm gonna from. I'm going to
1: tell you. If somebody comes up
0: with a new idea. It's, man, you know, I would People love, think it's crazy until it works. I would
1: absolutely love to do that. I mean, literally, that is my jam is like brainstorming and ideas and then just going out and trying them. I'm a little crazy yeah, like that. Yeah. You have to watch it, though, because your team does not always want to follow you. Because it's like another idea. Yeah, I mean, it's we, difficult. It's difficult. Yeah, you, you have to
0: vet everything yes. too. So it's good to have ideas, but then you have to poke holes in it. And mm. if it can withstand the holes and you can come up with like, oh, okay, why won't, why won't this work? Let's figure out five ideas and can we solve for those? If you can't, then you probably don't need to go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, if you have a good idea and there's solves around it and it can either make you more sales or it can make you more profit or at the very least make something you do now more efficient. Yeah. Because that's, again, labor content and that's very valuable. Um, Those are very important to the business concept.
1: That's true. Wow. I feel like we just opened up a whole nother realm here. But unfortunately, we're at the end of our podcast. So that just means we'll have to continue on at another time maybe we'll do a live stream maybe we'll do it. that's what we'll do sometime we'll actually go into your store when it's absolutely bonkers
0: oh that's great Love we'll it. do
1: a live stream with you doing what you do oh, i've never done that before that would be that would be pretty hairy be very good. <laughs> yeah you, you you might
0: have your hands full with the audio and how you and hear but it'll, it'll get it. pretty noisy and other than that it will be good I know it.
1: we'll have to uh <laughs> we'll have to solve for that problem Amir, uh, I think we just scratched the surface, but I do think we've got got the wheels turning now. There's a lot for people to think about. We want to be in this business um, to think through how to be successful running and expanding their restaurant concept. Amir, thank you so much for being here today and taking time out of your, your food empire to come and talk to us at Winning at Work.
0: It's been my pleasure and I had a great time. Thank you for having me.